Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today is going down right here. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King, Scott Engel, here on a Monday, taking the hour to break down all the reaction, news, and notes from Week 8 of the NFL and the fantasy football season. We'll also preview Monday night football to get you ready to keep on winning your leagues and winning that cash. Dane Martinez and the King, Scott Angle. Just a quick housekeeping note for everybody that listens on iHeartRadio, on TuneIn Radio, wherever you get your podcasts, on a number of terrestrial radio stations across the country, as my man Mike Blewett would say, thank you. All right, what we do here... On Mondays, don't forget about Roto Experts in the morning and the previous hour as well because we take the two hours. There's so much to go through on a Monday. The King, Scott Angle, and the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Scotty, we were talking about it before. Tyreek Hill with a groin injury. A.J. Green with some lower body stuff, knee and toe. We know about Will Fuller with an ACL. You mentioned Mike Evans who left but then came back. Wide receivers could be viable here in waivers when they run tomorrow. Those are some of the big ones. We also got word, someone reminded me on Twitter, David Johnson left the game late, that Arizona-San Francisco game, left the game late with a head injury, they were saying. They left it to Chase Edmonds at the end of the game. Uh, DJ2K, another name to keep an eye on. Yeah, they uh, actually uh, they came out and said that they expect him to be okay, but I guess you never know with a concussion for sure. Right. You know, I mean, uh, whether he's in the protocol or not, this is something we do not, you know, take lightly. Last game we were talking about was Tampa Bay Cincy. Let's just reset it here at the top of the hour, Scott. One of the questions that I know we are going to get a lot is who's going to be starting at quarterback for Tampa. And the reason I think this is a big question is because as we have seen, the Tampa Bay quarterback is viable in fantasy based on the way their defense plays, based on the way their game script usually goes, and based on the fact that still, Scott, even with Peyton Barber having a decent effort with over 85 yards yesterday, you don't believe in their running game. All those conditions make it seem that whoever is under center for Tampa Bay is a viable fantasy player, so we got to know who you think that's going to be. Uh, well, look, I'm guessing uh, we really don't know what what uh, what Dirk Cutter is going to do for sure, but uh, yeah, reading some things there, I would think they, they lean towards Fitzpatrick because I th- I think you know the the NFL team mentality is we're not out of it at three and four. Who gives us the best chance to win now? Now Fitzpatrick could turn around and have a four interception game at any time. We saw him have three in week three, but he still threw three touchdown passes. Fitzpatrick hasn't been quite as bad as Winston looked yesterday. So you know what's 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 the le- the lesser erratic guy uh, 
it's right. probably Fitzpatrick who, you know, who really seems to have, uh, you know, the confidence of his teammates, the fan community, et cetera, uh, because right. there isn't high expectations for a Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's a, it's a different mm-hmm. story when a guy plays like that. When Ryan Fitzpatrick Absolutely. throws three touchdowns and two interceptions, whoa, you know, he kept us in the game, et cetera. Sure. And it's about expectations, but I, I think even his teammates feel it. I don't know the decision. You know, I'm not in the locker room, et cetera. You know, I'm not even on the Tampa Bay beat. But I, I would think, uh, you know, if we, we had to take a poll and you're going to guess who the starting quarterback is going to be, I'm going to guess Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, you know, it's just a good energy and a better story. You see him versus the way that Jameis carries himself. At least they could, you know, have more faith of him as the uh, kind of leader of that team. You mentioned an interesting thing there, you know, like who is it? Uh, we will keep our eye on that. But as I mentioned before, whoever the Tampa Bay quarterback is, is probably someone who is viable in fantasy. So keep an eye out on that moving forward for Tampa Bay. Scotty, I want to dive into these games because, you know, we got a lot still to cover. The next game I'm very intrigued by here is the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they get a W. They go up 30. They win 36-21 at home against Baltimore. Remember, Scotty, we were talking about, oh, maybe the Ravens are the only defense left that we can rely on. The Ravens are the only solid defense. They go into Carolina, and they give up 36 points. Cam Newton, only two touchdowns, only 219 yards. But then running the ball as well. Cam gets a running touchdown. CMC gets a rushing touchdown as well. A very even distribution of effort for the Carolina Panthers. I got to ask you something. People were actually worried about Christian McCaffrey going into this game. He gets 45 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um, only 11 ground, uh, only 11 in the air, but another touchdown. So you'll take... You know, Scotty, you'll take 56 yards, two touchdowns, and four catches. I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about Christian McCaffrey. Do you? Not in the PPR, the standard. I think uh, you know there was certainly a level of concern there, but you know, not that you have higher expectations in a standard. I'm talking about going into this week. Uh, You know, this was his first rushing touchdown of the entire season, so uh, you're definitely concerned there. But in the PPR, he only had he hasn't had a, a week below. 13 points so you know there's a really nice floor floor there in a ppr uh but he's only had two receiving touchdowns but they have come in his last four games you know you can't you got to be careful not to overrate him in the standard uh you know when you go into your draft you know you got to make sure you know your scoring system especially if you're new at this as far as the ravens being a shutdown defense you know didn't surprise me you know that they gave up a lot of points their pass defense is actually ranked 25th all right, so there goes that narrative of any defense that you could rely on on a week-to-week basis. Scotty, I want to ask you one more thing about Carolina. Listen, we talk about Christian Kirk. We talk about Cortland Sutton. Don't look now, but DJ Moore was the leading wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers last week. I know Greg Olson is still there. Devin Funches, I know, is their quote-unquote number one wide receiver. He only gets three catches for 27 yards. We know Christian McCaffrey is involved, obviously, in the pass game. But DJ Moore, five catches for 90 yards. Um, Can he be on the same kind of path, getting more and more opportunity as the season goes along? Talk to me about DJ Moore and and what you see about him vis-a-vis some of the these other rookie wide receivers, specifically, in my opinion, guys like Kirk and guys like uh, Cortland Sutton. Might DJ Moore be climbing in the same way second half of the season? 
I think I see him as behind those, but I talk about it this morning on the Roto Experts Advanced Scout on RotoExperts.com. He's only owned in 10.4% of leagues, so I think you have to pick him up, especially ahead of this week when they play against Tampa Bay. Nice. Yesterday's 90 receiving yards were, uh, were you know, his career high so far. But uh, Torrey Smith was out with a knee injury, which gave him some extra run there. Uh, you know, Look, when you look at it from the outside, okay, you say, why do they play Torrey Smith over him? But they look at it different over the inside. Torrey Smith, you know, you want to rely on a wide receiver for more than just the pass catching, the blocking, etc. So if Torrey Smith is out again this week, you really like DJ Moore. But, uh, you know, when Torrey Smith is back, I think we have to wait and see how much Moore is going to continue to get involved in the offense. Okay, so listen, someone definitely to keep on your radar. I think you make a great point also, Scotty. They have Tampa Bay up next, and we've been attacking the Tampa Bay pass defense since the beginning of the season. If you could only pick up one, Scotty, and it sounds like they're similarly owned around in the uh, fantasy universe, would you pick up DJ Moore or Cortland Sutton? I'd probably pick up Sutton. Uh, I I think he might have a clearer path to opportunity. Right, and you'll obviously know, right, because you'll know if DT gets traded before this Sunday as well, which is another piece of it. Scotty, let's go on to the Baltimore side. Listen, uh, Alex Collins fumbled again. That's the end of my tee-up for you. What does this mean? Alex Collins, 49 yards. He does get a touchdown. You know, he's in the passing game with two catches, but he fumbles again in a loss. The Ravens are now 4-4. Four and four. You think Harbaugh is going to stand for it? Because remember, last time out, he was like, can't have that. Well, it happened again. Well, you know, for those that saw the fumble, though, and I'm sure you did, you know, how much how much can you really, uh, you know, blame Alex Collins for this one? I, I don't think you can. It was a miscommunication, and the defense was on him before he even got the ball. So I don't right. think it's a thing of, of, Ale- of Alex Collins, uh, you know, fumbling, right. and Harbaugh is going to be mad. You know, you've got to look at the context of it. But, you know, he's not getting – Jim Day and I were talking about this on Fantasy Football Rewind, he, you know, I love to watch the guy run. Runs like his hair is on fire. And being a beautiful touchdown run from yesterday, it was like he broke one tackle and spun off another. He's very touchdown dependent, but they don't give him enough carries to get him in a rhythm. Only, only once over the last five games has he, has he uh, carried the ball more th- than 12 times. In three of those games, he's carried the ball 11 times. They don't give him a chance to get in the rhythm. I know everybody crows for more carry on Johnson carries, etc. I crow for more Alex Collins carries, and I'm just, I'm not, I'm just not going to get it. So, uh, you know, the guy's very touchdown dependent. Uh, you know, he, he, he scored three times in his last three games. Uh, he's, he's got five touchdowns overall. Alex Collins is he's an RB3. All right. Uh, so maybe more of a, a flex play moving forward. Uh, I do like their matchup next week against Pittsburgh, okay? They're at home against Pittsburgh, and I think Pitt, uh, Baltimore will get back on the good foot in terms of, uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll score some points next week against Pittsburgh because most teams do. I think both Cleveland teams are going to score some points. Yeah, I that's think what I'm both saying. teams so, will. It's, that's, you, you look, I think Pittsburgh, A, has to rebound from uh, that, that offensive performance yesterday, even though they won. And in week four, Ben Roethlisberger had his worst game of the season, throwing for one touchdown and one interception. I think he's going to remember that and going to want to have a better performance next week. Okay, let's talk about next week. You know, you talk about these Ravens, and they're going to be playing Steelers. I have one more question about the Ravens. 
You know, in the first month of the season, we were impressed by Joe Flacco, Scott. You know, we in the first month of the season, we were like, oh, Joe Flacco's looking good. Joe Flacco's spreading it around. Oh, Joe Flacco had the same thing as Alex Smith last year, pressure from the young quarterback. Joe Flacco has returned to earth, Scotty. Trust me, I know because I own him in a two-quarterback league. 192 yards in the air, two picks, though, today. And you look at his wide receivers, like, you know, Snead does what Snead does, kind of moves the change at 5 for 54. But listen, Crabtree, 31. The tight ends are all over the place. John Brown, who you were really high on, you know, earlier on in the season, when he doesn't get in the end zone, he's not doing much. Well, what's up with Flacco in the passing game here for Baltimore? He's returned to mediocrity, you know, just like you've yep. said. You know, just once in his last four games has he has he cracked a 12-point fantasy barrier. So, you know, right now looking like, you know, do we throw Joe Flacco back on waivers? And in turn, you know, John Brown has really, really cooled off. He's been in right. single figures in three of his last four games. And it's, you know, it's turned into what John Brown used to be. He's he starting to look boomer bust again, and you just can't depend on it. You know, John Brown's threatening to fall into fantasy wide receiver four territory. So let me ask you this, because I agree with you, you know, and I've been, I've been, you know, unfortunately, I've been dealing with it myself with Flacco as my QB, too. My question, though, is you just said next week we expect points to be scored when they host Pittsburgh. So do you go back to the well with any of these guys, Joe Flacco as a QB, two, back to John Brown thinking he gets behind the defense next week? Are the conditions ready for a bounce back for Baltimore? Uh, I think maybe for John Brown, certainly. Okay. I don't know how much you can trust Flacco. And you know basically what Mike Crabtree is. Five catches for 60 yards. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Well, we're talking about this game, uh, who the Ravens are going to face next week. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers, so let's talk about them a little bit more. They had an AFC North matchup at home, and the Steelers, listen, the Steelers are starting to get in a groove. They get a win 33-18 to against the Browns. Uh, they go to 4-2-1 and on the season. Scotty, I mean, James Conner, 146 yards on the ground and two touchdowns on the ground. Then he gets another 66 yards through the air with five catches, 210 scrimmage yards, five catches, two touchdowns. That sure looks like a Le'Veon Bell kind of stat line to me. I don't care if this if Lev Bell walks back this week. You have to keep James Conner in your lineup. James Conner announcing himself. He continues to be an RB1, Scotty. Yeah, of course you got to keep him in your lineup. But, uh, you know, everybody wondering if Le'Veon Bell is going to come back this week. And, you know, Jim Day and I were talking about this on Fantasy Football Rewind. Look, he said maybe James Conner has proven it's just the system. I, I don't think that it's it's just mm-hmm. the system. I think that it's proven that the Steelers have had two outstanding running backs that they've, you know, that they've handpicked, and that's a credit to the front office. And, when, you know, when you take a look and – you, you see that uh, Le'Veon Bell might be coming back. He's not going to start right away. Eventually, maybe right. all he can hope for is a timeshare. Uh, Jim was saying to me last night, you know, does the, 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 is, are the players going to get mad, you know, et cetera, about, about him coming back? I'm like, what are they going to do? They want to win football games. They're not going to miss a block. The way these guys are, are talking about it is that now they're going to have two outstanding running backs to overwork defenses with. You know, they see it as a luxury more than anything. They can keep guys sure. fresh. They can throw both running backs in, you know, a little bit of a different style that Le'Veon Bell has with more patience and a little bit more of a pass catcher, pure pass catcher. 
But you know they they're not going to need him after after this year. Fantasy players don't want to hear it, you know. But it seems like at some point we're either a careening towards a timeshare or b it would be totally shocking if Le'Veon Bell maybe gets only forty percent of the work. Yeah, I think it's very possible. Hey, Scott, one thing, though, you, uh, to Jim Day's point about it being a product of the system, and you said that they've just had two special backs. Um, I also remember, I guess this was two years ago. You remember what I'm talking about, Scott. Um, when, like, for the first month of the season, D'Angelo Williams was a top five back in this system also when he was in for Le'Veon Bell. Couldn't that be another argument that maybe, yeah, just – you know, it's not Le'Veon Bell and it is the system. I mean, D'Angelo Williams was literally a top three or a top five back for his stretch in there as well. He was, but, you know, I, I, I think you got to get careful when you say anybody can do this, you know, in this offense. You're not going to stick Kenjin Barner or Wendell Smallwood back there and they're going to be, you know, every week fantasy starters. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I understand that. But listen, the conditions are there to be successful in Pittsburgh with a strong offensive line, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and the best wide receiver in the game. We talked about how, like, maybe Amari Cooper going to Dallas helps out Zeke Elliott, right? Um, We talk about how having the consistent quarterback play helps all these wide receivers not named DeAndre Hopkins. Those are still the conditions for whoever the Pittsburgh running back is. Right. I think what we get into is... Oh, it's all the offensive line's credit. Like the average fan will say, oh, it's all the offensive line or it's a system or anything like that. It's a team sport. When a running back rushes for that many yards, it's a credit to the offensive line, but it's also a credit to the running back. I don't think it's one or the other or the system. It's all pieces that you put together. Football is a team game. You know, people will say stuff like, well, anybody can run behind that offensive line. You know, they used to say it about Dallas a few years ago. But, you know, the reason why DeMarco Murray was, like, you know, better than Derek McFadden. Derek McFadden was just a really, really uh, – I'm sorry, Derek McFadden was talented, but DeMarco Murray was incredibly talented, you know, and uh, put him on a great offensive line. You still give DeMarco Murray a ton of credit for, once he gets through the line, what he does. Yeah, real quick, Scotty, is uh, Nick Chubb an RB2 for you moving forward week to week? He gets uh, 75 total scrimmage yards. On Sunday. Borderline RB1. Tough matchup. Uh, I still like him a lot going forward. A lot, of, a lot of tasty matchups coming for him. All right, fair enough. So get him in your lineups. When we come back, we got a lot more games to go through. A couple of early games, some afternoon games as well. Fantasy Sports Today. Come on right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Scotty, welcome back. We're here on FST on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We put the fun in functional sports radio. We got a lot of games that we're still looking back at here on Week 8 before we get to set for Monday Night Football, which will put a bow on Week 8, the halfway point of the regular season. Dane and Scott 
But I also want to do, Scotty, before we go any further, is let people know, first of all, congratulations to the thousands of you who made a profit on Major League Baseball DFS season in 2018 using the Daily Roto MLB Optimizer. Now, halfway through the NFL season, the NFL Optimizer has already produced millions in winnings for its subscribers, including multiple winners in the hundreds of thousands and a million-dollar winner back in week one. And now with the NBA in full swing as well, the NBA lineup optimizer is now available. If you're hooked, you can buy the DailyRoto.com Elite Package, which is giving you access to year-round this suite of successful tools and projections that DailyRoto subscribers have been using to basically print money in every sport. And when you sign up for the Elite Package, you'll get the new NFL betting tools they've rolled out, including against the spread, money line, game totals, and player props. Head on over to DailyRoto.com, click on the Go Premium tag, and check out what the Elite Package has to offer. Don't forget to enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount. Scotty, let's talk about our teams here in the next segment here. First of all, my guys, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 I bet against them in Survivor, and unfortunately, I was right. The Bears get a win. They win 24-10 to to go to 4-3 and on the season. The Jets fall to 3-5. and um, I was worried. I was interested with no Bilal Powell. I was going to be all over Isaiah Crowell. You were all over this guy, Trenton Cannon. None of them pop off. Isaiah Crowell... 13 carries for 25 yards, another 13 in the pass game. Cannon, uh, 6 carries, 10 yards. He gets another 12 in the pass game. The Jets' offense was anemic, you know. J- Javon Kirst, 30 yards. They you, People thought maybe Mashard Matthews would come out. He did not do anything. It's the kid Burnett who gets five, well, four catches, 61 yards. Not much for the Jets' offense to speak of. The Bears' defense with a great game holding the Jets to just 200 yards of total offense. Yeah, and, you know, with with Isaiah Crowell, uh, you know, since he had that big 200-yard game, uh, he's had 104 yards in, th- in three games since then. But next week they face Miami. So uh, I, yeah. think, I, think you have to, I think you have to use him on a bye week. You know, Miami's getting torn up with two consecutive 100-yard games. Right. So uh, Crowell will, will bounce back this week. Of course, you can never uh, you can never count on Isaiah Crowell whatsoever. But uh, you know, maybe next week I think you have to use him if you have somebody on a bye week. Yeah, absolutely. The conditions for success are there against that Miami run defense. Remember back on Thursday, Lamar Miller ran for over 100. The week before that, Kerryon Johnson ran for 150-plus. So remember with the Jets, their wide receivers are banged up. Sam Darnold has been turning the ball over a bunch lately, although he didn't throw any picks yesterday. So the conditions may be there for Isaiah Crowell to have a good game. Let's look on the Chicago Adrenaline-wise, I think the, I think the conditions are going to be there as well, you know, because I, I often look for that in the NFL. Football's a game of emotion and adrenaline. You know, the Jets are coming off a deflating loss. They're coming back home. They're facing a rival. Sure. And, you know, it always get look, ever ever since, you know, I've been watching football, you know, I'm always aware of the rivalries. And, uh, you know, I, I go I go way, 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 way back. And never, no matter who's in a Miami or Jets uniform, That's when true. those two teams play, play each other, Things just get ratcheted up, no matter where they're playing, no matter who's wearing the uniform. So, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some points scored next week. Absolutely. That rivalry is real. Scotty, a, uh, up, uh, an early teenager spitting statistician was in the building for the fake spike years ago. Uh, as an adult, I think the last time I may have gotten into a physical altercation was in the ramps 
coming out of the Miami Stadium after an overtime really? win by the Jets. Absolutely. I was there the week the week that Reggie Bush got hurt for the Dolphins and the in the the game that Darrell Revis tore his ACL down there in Miami. The Jets won that game. I believe the final was 16-13 in overtime. And uh, it was not easy as a Jets fan getting out of that stadium on that day. I'll leave that. Uh, you know, we'll talk about you that. You know, I've well, seen that. I, I, I used to get free tickets to Dolphin games yeah. uh, when I worked at CBS Sportsline. You know, the CEO, Mike Levy, was a very generous guy. He would call me up to his office. And he would ask me for fantasy advice on the way out. He would tell his assistant, give Scott anything from his folder that, that he would want. The folder contained Marlin and Dolphin season tickets. So I went to, awesome. uh, you know, all, all the time I had seats on the 40-yard line in the lower bowl whenever I wanted them. And I went to the Jets and the Dolphins, and both teams were out of it. I think this was like the year, I want to say, 2002. And I witnessed a woman and a man fist-fighting each other oh, yeah. you know, behind me. Behind yeah, me, it's, it, it gets very, very nasty with, with Jets and Dolphin fans. I think it's very, very not talked about a lot because I've seen it when you down lived there. I've, yep. People talk about Philadelphia fans, South Florida football fans. They're, they're not as nearly as many of them, but the ones that that do live there. And I'm digressing a lot here, so I'll try to wrap it up. But uh, yep. the ones that five do live there, <laughs> yeah, because they haven't done anything really since 1973. They're very right. frustrated. They're very aggressive in a Philadelphia kind of way. Yeah, and also the last thing I'll say about this before we move on is um, a lot of your people that live in South Florida used to live in New York. You know what I mean? You got a lot of transplants from New York that go down there to enjoy their retirement. They hate but I it. Go back to New York. Exactly. Let me ask you real quick on the Chicago side of things. Listen, everybody was talking about how, oh, Mr. Trubisky is trending up. He, you know, he does throw for the two touchdowns, no picks, only 220 yards. And, and a lot of it, you know, honestly, he has 220 yards. A lot of it was that 170-yard, you know, catch and run by Tariq Cohen, which was mostly after the catch. But listen, we know there was no Allen Robinson. Taylor Gabriel, eh, four for 52. Bellamy, eh. Four for 37. Anthony Miller gets in the end zone. A lot of people were liking Trey Burton as an ascension, scoring four out of it his last five weeks. He defecates the matches with three, three catches for 18 yards. Who can you trust in this Chicago pass game, Scott? I don't know how much I'm going to overreact to yesterday. You still got a pretty good statistical floor for Mitch Trubisky because you talk about the rushing yards, too. We talked about this on Fantasy Football Today. Now, look, when it just rains or it snows, you know, you can't freak out about the weather. It's really about wind. And we were talking about Daily Rota was noting yesterday that uh, it was going to be high winds yesterday. Uh, there were supposed to be 19-miles-an-hour winds in the second half, up to 30-mile-an-hour wind gusts. So that played a lot of havoc with both passing games yesterday, I think. And, uh, you know, nice adjustment there. You know, we said maybe Tariq Cohen catch and run for a big play yesterday because – it really couldn't throw the ball downfield to Taylor Gabriel, et cetera. So I think it was more the elements than anything kind of stifled things a little bit. All right, so maybe we'll, uh, we won't put too much weight on the box score that we saw. Scotty, we still have five more games to get into, so let's hop to your favorite team, the Seattle Seahawks. They get above 500 in what was built as a big-time NFC matchup. You had two 3-3 three and three teams that people were kind of saying, hey, maybe these guys can get on a roll, but it is the Seahawks that get a W, 28-14. Russell Wilson, three touchdown passes, no interceptions. He goes 14-17, of 17, a very efficient day. Talk to me about the running back room, though, Scotty. I think 
Chris Carson has to be back on people's radars. There was a little Mike Davis in weeks past. People were worrying even Rashad Penny getting some snaps. But Carson, 25 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Another 19 in the passing game. So you will absolutely take 124 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. Is this what we expect out of Carson moving forward? Uh, as long as he stays healthy. You know, Carson was his best yesterday. It's, he's got good vision. He's got cutback. He runs well in short space. He can gain extra yardage after contact. I don't think he's necessarily a goal line runner. He scored from a few yards out. Mike Davis will still be in the mix. And I think, you know, when they're at the two or one yard line, you might see a little bit more of Davis. Penny, I don't even know if he got on the field yesterday outside of special teams. So Carson's the lead guy. And I think, you know, you have to have Davis uh, rostered as a handcuff, you know, if you lead it all in the Seattle backfield. But this offensive line, which people were, were really ripping in the preseason in the first two games, has really, really improved over the last few weeks. They've had four consecutive 100-yard rushing games. And the, uh, the, the running game right now, is it's not star-studded, but they are more than getting the job done. All right, I want to ask you, Scotty, we've been talking and previewing a little bit some of the wide receiver ads that may be heavily added in waivers this week. We've talked about guys like Cortland Sutton. We've talked about guys like DJ Moore. We've talked about, you know, I'm telling people don't forget about Kiki Cutie with the Will Fuller injury on Thursday night if people dropped him with the injuries. You've got to put David Moore in that conversation as well from Seattle, four catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Where does Moore stack up against some of these other names? names that I expect will be heavily added on waivers this week. I think, you know, I've been telling people that David Moore for like the last three weeks. So I, you know, I guess, uh, look, he's only owned in 2.7% of ESPN leagues. Right. I guess only people in 2.7% of ESPN leagues either listen to the show or read my articles, you know, because the guy has scored four touchdowns, you know, in the last three games and has scored in every single week. Right now, Doug Baldwin is not looking good in terms of he's not doing classic things. He's not gaining yardage right. after the catch. You know, he is not he's not getting open downfield, etc. So Russell Wilson has adjusted, and he's he's found David Moore as a deep threat, a guy who's really flashed in the preseason. So you know, Moore is a guy that's like. He's really rocking it up as a wide receiver four, and this is not something that surprised me when I heard that they were gonna that they were gonna you know replace Brandon Marshall with this guy. And with Tyler Lockett on the other side, I don't know if anybody notices this, uh, but if you got savvy fantasy football players in your league, you might want to shop him. Tyler Lockett has six touchdown receptions in seven games, and he's only gone over eighty yards one time. Can this really keep up? Uh, it's very interesting. You know, is this the Alan Hearns thing from two years ago? I don't, I, you just can't sustain that kind of tuck there, touchdown production. But still, you know, Lockett has become the scoring threat for Russell Wilson. And you look okay. at Russell Wilson, three consecutive games of three, three touchdown passes, he's going to continue to be efficient as long as he does. Lockett and Moore are going to continue to be things. But I, like I say on Roto Experts this morning, I would shop Tyler Lockett to savvy owners and see if you can trade him. Would you pick up David Moore or Cortland Sutton? I would pick up David Moore. He's already getting more production than Cortland Sutton. David Moore or Kiki QT? Kiki QT, you know, especially with Will Fuller out. All right, let's look at the other side of things real quick. I have two players that I want to mention on the Detroit Lions side. One, you know how much I love this guy, Kerryon Johnson. Scotty, he only gets 22 
rushing yards. But here's what I want to talk about. Six for 69 in the receiving game. Are they learning that Theo Riddick's time on, you know, I know he's banged up, but even if he's healthy, are they realizing that what they need to do is kind of be more varied, more multiple, and can carry on Johnson even even handle a load in the passing game? I mean, you'll take, what, 69 plus 22. That's 91 yards. You'll take 91 yards and six catches in PPR scoring, Scott. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to get 12 points from the guy, it's a, it's a nice floor to have. But, uh, look, it's what we want to see. And there were some really nice catch and runs, and he's tough to tackle, uh, you know, especially when he gets to the second level. Very talented kid, but I don't think there's any guarantees that he's going to continue to catch passes when Theo Riddick comes back because they, they really like Theo Riddick. Yeah, but Theo Riddick has been injury-plagued over the last few years, so we shall see. Yes, it, good it, you point. Know, if they prove, if Kerryon Johnson proves that he is capable of handling this role, I think uh, it could be problems for Theo Riddick owners. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt will obviously still continue to vulture some stuff. Only three carries, though, because, uh, you know, the game script was such that Matthew Stafford needed to be throwing, which brings me to my next point. Scotty, you know I would love to work him in every possible time, but do we need to be honest and tell everybody that the shine is off the rose that is Kenny Galladay? I mean, only one catch for 12 yards. Obviously, Marvin Jones with a big game. on Johnson now in the past game. Golden Tate as well. Um, do we have to admit to people that Kenny Galladay is no longer a weekly start? I think it's, you know, it's gotten to that point. You know, the guy started off really, really hot. But, you right. know, this passing game is just like, it's not volume like with Matthew Stafford like it's in the bit of the past. And he's only had, he hasn't thrown more than two touchdown passes in a game. Kenny Galladay, though, should we overreact, though? I don't know because the first five games were so good and the last two were so quiet. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not as inconsistent, but now all of a sudden he's on a cold streak. Uh, but next week he gets Minnesota, then he gets Chicago, Carolina. Look, look, no, none of, these, none of the, the defenses are shut down. I think you know, I still got to consider Kenny Galladay a wide receiver three and give him at least one more week where I got to try to trot him out there, especially with six teams on a bye. Right, and they will be at Minnesota next week, so maybe a different kind of game script. You know my narrative, though, Scott. I believe the Detroit Lions are starting to realize that they want to be more physical, are starting to realize that they're better when they have better balance, and maybe uh, Galladay is part of that sacrifice um, in that effort. Yeah, I was saying that in the preseason that Bob Quinn, you know, wanted this – Teams yep. to be more physical, and they want to have more of a red zone presence. But yesterday it was a problem where they just weren't Game getting trip. in the red zone. Yeah. They weren't getting in the red zone enough. You know, the, the two touchdowns were big plays. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye out on that. Scotty, there's only a couple minutes, but I want to get one more game in here. And it's the Arizona Cardinals going to 2-6, and six, getting a win over the San Francisco 49ers, who now fall to 1-7, and seven, which is tied for the worst record in the NFL. I believe they're tied with the Giants and maybe one other squad, maybe Oakland as well. But honestly, I think one this and one... Six, yeah. Okay, I, I saved this one for last one. We only got a couple minutes before the break because, like, there's not much to describe out of this. C.J. Beathard, less than 200 yards. The, the, the San Francisco run game seems to be a full-on committee. Breida, Morris, and Mostart. You know about David Johnson. I mentioned that he got banged up, so you know his usage continues to concern people. Larry Fitzgerald does get in the end zone, 8 for 102 and a touchdown. Christian Kirk continues to be on people's radar. But, you know, there's not much here 
for any of the teams. You know, George Kittle does what George Kittle does, 5 for 57, kind of ho-hum. Are there any big-time takeaways from this team, this game? Because I'm not looking to involve many people from these rosters in my fantasy lineups. Matt Breida played through an injury and really disappointed him. Raheem Mostard orders. Okay. Uh, you know, we thought he was going to be on pitch count. That was a report. So Breida is somebody you can still count on. Marquise Goodwin had one catch, but it was for 55 yards and a touchdown. I think he'll be a good uh, daily, uh, good streamer this upcoming week. He's kind of boomer bust, but, you know, they do play the Raiders this upcoming week. David Johnson, uh, the usage just wasn't there as we expected with Byron Leftwich taking over. It was still disappointing. Larry yeah. Fitzgerald, very encouraging, but, uh, you know, we got to see more of this. And uh, Christian Kirk with, with a big, big catch. You know, he's still the number one fantasy wide receiver. I saw some love for Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, you know, in some circles pregame, but let's just stop. Ricky Seals-Jones is a bust. Uh, talk to me about Larry Fitzgerald real quick. You say you like that. Do you think potentially Byron Leftwich now? What are his thing is like, nah, we're going to throw it to Larry. I mean, eight catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. That's encouraging. Do you think that could be sustainable under the new offensive coordinator? It's, it, it certainly can, and maybe it's a thing where it's pointing at Fitzgerald being healthy again. Yeah, so we'll keep our eye out on that. Scotty, when we come back after the break, we only got, I'm telling you now, we only got one more segment. We got three big-time games to cover. Colts, Raiders, Packers, Rams, and the Sunday night game, Saints, Vikings. We also want to have a couple of words on Monday night football. So it's a sprint to the finish line when we come back here on FST on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Come on back and join us. We're going to be running. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Today here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. And there are a ton of guys that fit that uh, description, Scott. With the 8-0 Los Angeles Rams, let's talk about them next as we come back with a sprint here until we pass it off to Carton and Friends. Gabe Morency, the fantasy executive, Corey Parson, and the lovely Michelle Serpico will take you through the rest of the morning. But, Scott, we got a bunch of games left to talk about. The Green, Green Bay Packers look like they may have dealt the Rams their first loss of the season. I know I was on Green Bay plus the 9.5 points. I'm glad that I was. But the Rams go to 8-0 on the season, 29-27. I mean, listen. Everyone does what they're supposed to do. Let's look at the Rams side, 295 yards and three touchdowns from Jared Goff. You like that. Todd Gurley, 114 yards on the ground, another 81 yards via the pass game and a touchdown that way. You'll take the 200-plus scrimmage yards and a touchdown. Todd Gurley continues to eat. Brandon Cook, 74 yards. Robert Woods, 70 yards. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. On the other side of things, though, Scott, you were real down on Aaron Jones. 
going into this game. You know, you had him real low. I think running back 50, um, 12 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. No, that was Jamal Williams. I had him at like 38. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, still, outside of flex considerations at 38, but he gets 86 yards and a touchdown. So what do we think about Jones moving forward? Nothing. Uh, you know, trade him if he can. Uh, you know, this was the first time he really showed up. All season, this is a pass-first team. You know they're not yep. they're not gonna they're not gonna run the ball a lot, especially in the red zone. But they came up with a unique game plan. You know, Aaron Jones. Uh, you know, we think, talked about with Peyton Barber. You know, just doesn't score a lot. Just his second touchdown of the year, and just his second double-figure fa- fantasy performance. Uh, you know, since he started playing, you know, the last five games. You know, maybe use him as a backup. But this is a committee on a pass-first team, and you just can't trust it. You know, as far as Todd Gurley goes. Uh, it'd be interesting because he's on on pace to break Ladanian Tomlinson's touchdown record from scrimmage, and Ladanian yep. Tomlinson fa- changed the face of fantasy football to the point where we started getting third round reversal in the NFFC. Right. It's almost like it's unfair if you don't get the number one pick right now because you just don't have a shot at Gurley. Yeah, this is true. Uh, you talk about these two backs. Would you rather have Aaron Jones or Peyton Barber moving forward? <sighs> Isaiah Crowell. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Option C. None of the above seems yeah. to be it. Scotty, you talk about how the Packers are a pass-first offense. Listen, we got the return of Randall Cobb, 4 for 40. The return of Geronimo Allison, 1 for 14. My question is, does our guy Marcus Valdez-Scanting now remain viable even with the return of those two other veterans? No, because you know, it was just one deep pass for a touchdown. Cobb he can't stay Cobb healthy. I, I, he did, but I don't think it's going to continue, though. It's... Uh, you know, it was it was one long pass, and uh, yeah. I just don't think there's going to be any kind of volume there. I I believe that Geronimo Allison, you know, is it was his first game back. Maybe he was a little rusty, and uh, yeah. you know, I think you can't count on Randall Cobb to stay healthy. Valdez Scantling may continue to be relevant if Cobb doesn't stay healthy, but I'm still betting so, on Geronimo Allison, who got off to a great start this year, to be that number two guy for them. That's fine, but to your you kind of answered your own point though, right? If Randall Cobb can't stay healthy. I mean, like, I wouldn't. Would you cut Valdez Scantling, or do you stash him on your no. bench? Because I actually started him in one, one league yesterday. Yeah, okay. I actually started so him in one league viable. yesterday. So you do he's, think he's, he's still, still viable? Is, he's he's still viable, but you know, as long as if Cobb can't stay healthy, that that's all what it hinges on. Okay, but you won't drop him because there is a decent chance that Cobb can get banged up at any given time. Correct. Depends on what league you're playing in twelve team league. I'm probably not dropping him. All right, fair enough. Let's keep it moving because we are pressed for time here, Scotty. I want to cover every game. The Indianapolis Colts beat the Oakland Raiders 42-28. to As you mentioned, pushing the Raiders to 1-6. and Remember, we have all said you should have ran to the window to get that Raiders season win total under. But uh, here's what I want to ask you, Scotty. Marlon Mack, okay, Marlon Mack continues to impress. 132 yards, two touchdowns today, uh, yesterday, another 17 yards in the passing game. You talked to me about Nick Chubb kind of rising with his opportunity, being a high-end RB2 for the foreseeable future. Compare that against Marlon Mack. I mean, he's got over 100 his last two games, and it looks locked and loaded as the lead of that run game. 253 rushing yards in his last two games. I don't think we expected this level of production. I think it was more impressive, too, because – I was worried about him yesterday. So are the fantasy analysts. When you talk about a running back yeah, with an injury. ankle injury, but boy, you know, in one of his first runs, I saw him just plant and you know make make a deke. I said, you know, this guy's going to be okay. And uh, 
you know, going into this week, my in-season ranks on rotoexperts.com, this guy's going to threaten to crack the top 12. All right, and let's talk. We got to talk, Scotty, about the Indianapolis tight end position. Your boy Doyle Rules comes back. There was one drive, Scott, and I know because I was facing Jack Doyle in a league. There was one drive towards the end of the game, which was pretty much all Jack Doyle, and he gets the touchdown as well. Six for 70 and a touchdown for Doyle, but Ebron catches a touchdown as well. Three for 37. How do you play this Colts tight end position moving forward? Can you start them both? I think you can. Uh, and It's pretty much what it was going to be early in the year where uh, you're going to get a little frustrated if you, you own either one. But I think Ebron's more of the touchdown guy and Doyle is more of the move-the-chains guy, if anything. All right, we'll keep our eye out on that. I do have the last game. Listen, the Saints are now 6-1 and one with a win over the Vikings, 30-20. to 20. It's interesting, though, Scotty. The Saints score 30 points, and Drew Brees throws for 120 yards. Absolutely crazy. But if you're a Saints fan, you'll take it. If you're a Brees owner, you may be a little bit upset, but you'll take it if you're a Saints fan, right? Yeah, it was almost like reverting back to last year with the Saints where they were suddenly playing yeah. good defense and two big turnovers. But I'm not worried about Drew Brees, and they got the big nah, game with the Rams not. coming up next week. Oof. That is going to be a big game. One of them, you know, this will be for the one seed right now in the NFC. If the Saints were to beat the Rams, they would both have one loss, but the Saints would have the head-to-head matchup. So that would be a huge game in the NFC. Listen, we're seeing the breakdown between Ingram and Kamara that we expected once Ingram got back, right? You know, they both had 13 carries. Kamara gets seven catches and a touchdown in the receiving game and in the rushing game, but Ingram is still viable week-to-week as as well, 63 carry, uh, yards on the ground, another 29 via the air. Just starting both of these running backs, right? Yeah, I think you are. And, uh, you know, as far as who's going to get the touchdowns we've seen over the last few weeks, it's whoever, it's whoever has the hot hand. Absolutely. They are running a kind of hot hand approach at the running back position for New Orleans. And on the Minnesota side, listen, Scott, as long as uh, Dalvin Cook is not back, I kind of think Lat Murray is viable, only 56 yards, but he gets you in the end zone again with a touchdown, another 39 in the passing game, Scotty. So you'll take 95 yards and a touchdown and five catches every single week from Lat Murray. I mean, come on, that's 20 PPR points. Yeah, and he's not much of a pass receiver usually, so it, it, uh, you know, it's a nice bonus. It's a nice Absolutely. bonus. I don't know how often it's going to happen, but it's, it, it's a nice bonus, and he's going to be a finisher, and I really don't have any confidence about when Dalvin Cook is going to come back. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to what we saw in, you know, in Jacksonville, in Philly, in Atlanta, in other situations where that lead running back is so injury-prone, you got to look at the handcuff. Lat Murray has been doing just decently with his option, like his opportunity. You know, he's done more than the other guys. Like, to be honest, he's done more with his opportunity than Tevin Coleman has with his. Right, Scott? Yeah, she certainly has. You know, at his best, Lat Murray is a big back with some speed. Yeah. And, uh... You know, who can, who can get in the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, a couple years ago, before they drafted Dalvin Cook, before they saw what they had in Jarek McKinnon, they signed Latavius Murray to, like, a three-year deal. They, at one point, thought he was going to be their guy. The last thing I'll say, Scotty, on the Minnesota side, before we look to Monday Night Football at the last couple of minutes... Both of these wide receivers from Minnesota are absolutely amazing. Stephon Diggs, 10 for 119 and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, 7 for 103 with a touchdown. Adam Thielen now eight games in a row.
row with 100 yards receiving. We talk about Stefan Diggs. You can't be mad at him either. He gets 10 for 119. And, Scotty, honestly, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 6 of the last 7 games, Stefan Diggs has had double-digit targets as well. These guys continue to be the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. Yeah, and, uh, well, you can make a case for the Pittsburgh guys, too. Because I Maybe. think Smith Huster has been equally or as better than Stefan Diggs, who was coming off a little of a quiet stretch there, and it, it was a nice rebound. So it, it could be a fun conversation. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But you uh, said this last yeah, def- week on Diggs too. But he had 15 targets last week, Scott. You can't be like you said that last week also. How many yards did he have? It doesn't matter. It does matter. How many yards did he have? He didn't have a good week. Thirty-three. But it, yeah, listen, Scott, exactly. if I tell you, if I tell you your wide receiver is going to get 15 targets, you're going to take it every single time. Not if he's only going to get 33 yards. No, Scott, come on now. He you did really have a good game that... last week. If you say that, should I take it? Yeah, well, I take Stefan Diggs. I'll take him all the time. But if you're going to tell me that last week was a disappointing performance, you can't tell me it wasn't. What I'm going to tell you is that fantasy football is a game of inputs, not necessarily a game of outputs. And 15 targets is something that you would take every single week. Yes, but at the same time, I agree with that. But he was coming off of two consecutive disappointing performances, and it was a nice bounce back. That's what I was saying. No, but the one you consider a disappointing performance was 15 targets. <laughs> you know, I mean, But only 33 yes. yards, though. All right. Fair 15 enough. targets, I agree so. with you. It's promising. But yeah. at the same time, you can't tell me that 33 yards is not disappointing. All right. Well, after eight games, so half of his season, Stefan Diggs has 58 catches, 587 yards. So that would wind up being 116 catches, 1174 yards, and eight touchdowns on a season. So, uh, you know, hey, those sound like wide receiver two numbers to me. I understand he had a little wide bit of a Wide receiver one stretch. numbers, yeah. Like Even better. So wide receiver to, one number. So to my point, Diggs and Thielen continue to be a great wide receiver duo. Scotty, we only have one minute left. The Buffalo Bills are home dogs. 14 and a half points as I look on over to mybookie.ag right now. How do you play a line like that? I think the Patriots are going to win. I think they're going to win big. But I don't know if they're going to win by 14 points, Scotty. I can see them parking the bus right here and it easily being some kind of 31, you know, 17 or a 28 14 kind of game are you laying 14 and a half points tonight with the Pats, scott i can understand why the spread is so big you're talking Derek anderson and yeah. a little uncertainty on LaShawn mccoy though he's yeah. expected to play uh with Derek anderson a quarterback i can understand why it's a 14 point spread i don't think it's ridiculous I don't think it's ridiculous either. Listen, and the, listen, the Patriots, you know, 38 points last week, 43 the week before that, 38 the week before that, 38 the week before that. They've had 38 or 43 points, and I don't think Buffalo can keep up. But uh, are you laying the 14? Divisional yet? game, and they have, they have a defense that may come to play. On the road. So I'm going to say the they road. don't cover. I'm going to say yeah, they don't cover. I'm going to yeah. take those points as well, although it's probably going to be silly and we'll be lamenting it tomorrow morning. But I'll talk to you then, Scott. Have a great fantasy day, brother man. Carton and friends. I'm now you too. And is diagnosed with a blood cancer like leukemia. Bone marrow transplants give patients a new lease on life, but 70% of them must rely on a stranger for one. You can help. Register with DKMS to become a donor. 
You'll receive a swab kit in the mail, swab your cheeks, send the samples back, and you're good to go. Take the first step. Become a hero. Register today at dkms.org.